Welcome to the Wake the Giant broadcast. I'm your host, Alan Garrett. I'm here with Bob Scott. And today, we're going to blow your socks off. (laughs) We have a topic, and the topic is, what ails the church? The narcissism pandemic. So welcome, Bob Scott. Well, thanks. It's great to uh, be back with you. And Bob Scott is the uh, founder of the Joseph Company Global. He's the executive director of Compassion Justice Global. Did I say that right? Compassionate Justice International, Joseph Company Global. Okay. Um, and you can find him at joe.com uh, or joecomglobal.com. Is that joecomglobal.com? So yeah. Joseph Company Global is my consulting business with Joseph's and Compassionate Justice International is my NGO that we work in the nation of Zimbabwe. That's awesome. And he's easy to find. If you can't remember remember all that, then just uh, go on Google, put in uh, Bob Scott, Joseph Company, and you'll find him. He has two books, Saving Zimbabwe and In the Company of Joseph. And just to bring you uh, all the listeners up to speed, we did a, uh, a two-part uh, video and audio broadcast uh, on his book, and uh, the new book he came out with, In the Company of Joseph, and that spurred some of our discussion for today. Um, it, he talks a little bit about uh, narcissism in his book, um, and it just it really occurred to us in our last discussion that the topic of narcissism is, is really an important topic, and we're going to unpack that. Um, you may not, it, even saying the word narcissism, it sounds like it's a college word. You know, for some, some of you, you're going to hear that, and you're going, well, narcissism, what is that? And so we want to unpack that this for you, but um, I think it's really, really important. This is an important topic for today. And I, and I think, it, uh, in all fairness to the people that are listening, um, you better come with a construction hat because um, <laughs> we're not going to hold back. So this is going to be controversial. It's going to be confrontive. It's even going to be a bit contentious. We're going to blow make you some uncom- stuff up. <laughs> well, you know, you know what we're going to do. We're going to wake the giant. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, I did. Uh, Bob commented on if you look at the the logo for, for Wake the Giant on how it's a it's a little bit almost confrontive. There's a, a young boy screaming into a microphone, and I don't mind. Um, I mean, my 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 I don't want to offend people. That's not my objective, but I do want to stir some things up. And there's yeah. some things that need to get awakened in the church. And usually, when people think of awakening, they think of uh, let's have a, a God party in a church somewhere. And, um, and, and enjoy him and invite his presence. And that's, that's part of it. Um, because he does, when you meet with him, he has a way of transforming you. (laughs) Um, but I think I want to wake the church up in a broader context. And part of that is, uh, waking us up, not just spiritually and and reaching the lost and and reaching the world around us, but I want to wake us up intellectually because I don't think we're supposed to be brainless people. I agree. Yeah. Um, so, uh, see, I'm looking over my notes here. I want to make sure I capture everything here. Um, so yeah, I kind of did a recap of, of the last episode and what le- led us to this topic of narcissism, but there's some stuff in your book. Um, you made a statement, um, narcissism is to the modern church world, what Gnosticism was to the early church. So I want to unpack that a little bit. 
Yeah, that sounds good. I know I've I've had uh, um, quite a few people inquire after our last broadcast, what did I mean by that? Mm. And so I think it would be helpful if we took the next few minutes and sat down and kind of, you know, unpacked it a bit and, and talk about some of the particulars. To, to be honest with you, I've been carrying this burden for months, mm. maybe even a few years. Um, and um, it's, it's a burden that I've kind of kept to myself only because I knew it was going to be controversial. I knew it was going to be confrontive and I knew it was going to be contentious. And, mm. and I, I, I'm not really somebody who wants to get in the middle of a fight with people. So I guess <laughs> my appeal to people is, is please listen to our heart. Um, yeah, we're, we're not trying to slap anyone around, but we have no, a no, serious problem no. and, yeah. and it's at a pandemic level. And I don't even know that people realize it because how it's developed is, is been over the course mm-hmm. of time and very slowly. And we're somewhere 50 years down the road and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's reached a pandemic portion. So in some ways this, um, you know, this COVID-19 pandemic is a physical manifestation, mm-hmm. but there's a spiritual manifestation that's infected mm-hmm. the church. And it's so intrinsic in our way of thinking. And we don't even realize it anymore because it's become our new norm. I, I agree with you. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, your statement was narcissism is to the modern church what the Gnostic, what, sorry, narcissism is to the modern church world what Gnosticism was to the early church. And I think that's a that's a decent parallel, but we have to understand what Gnosticism is and what narcissism is, e- even to understand that statement. True. And so for those who aren't church um, theologians or church scholars, uh, what Gnosticism was, was a worldview or a philosophy that sort of predated the Christian era. Uh, it infiltrated, you know, huge segments of the first century church. Yeah. Um, the word the word gnosis or gnosis, gnosis as I actually say it, is a Greek word meaning to have knowledge, right? So what had yes. happened, and we'll keep this real simple, was that the Gnostics believed that they had this elite spiritual knowledge. Um, they had insight, which actually transcended a lot of the orthodox teachings, traditions, ecclesiastical mm-hmm. authority. So what ended up happening was they developed this worldview that um, – all things spiritual were good and all things mm-hmm. physical were evil, right? Not. Even to the point where they believe that Jesus didn't even have a um, physical body. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That he was like a spiritual creature. So for about a 200 year period between the end of the apostles and the council of Nicaea in 323, each or 325, each one of these Gnostic spiritual leaders all believed that their teachings um, mm-hmm. um, were superior. And so therefore you had so many versions of Christianity that it was complete chaos. I mean, people were even arguing over whether Jesus was God, right? So Emperor Constantine, who really gets a bad rap from a lot of evangelicals who don't really understand history, is so confused. He sends mm-hmm. out an invitation to 4,000 um, Christian bishops around the world and said, hey, can you meet me in Nicaea? We got to figure out what the truth is here. I'm confused. Well, mm-hmm. only three, 350 show up because everyone thinks that it's a plan to get everybody to mm-hmm. Nicaea. And so we can kill them all because they had just come <laughs> through a whole period of persecution. Right. So only yeah. 350 of the 4,000 show up. 
And they sit down and they hammer out basically the fundamentals of the faith, right? And we call that the Nicene Creed. Yeah. Well, it was a Nicene Council which which produced the Nicene Creed. And that was a direct confrontation with the Gnostics. Mm. Basically saying this, there, you know, there's no secret knowledge. Here is the, here's what Jesus taught. So it was a teaching and it was a worldview that entered the church that affected in the broader culture that affected the church. Gnosticism was a, it was a emphasis on secret knowledge and, and becoming wise and emphasis um, on the spiritual and denying the physical. Um, right. And, and each one of these leaders saw themselves mm -hmm. as having this secret knowledge, right? So it was so self-centered. Almost cultic. And so what happened yeah. was there was this battle between mm -hmm. the Gnostics and the, you know, the fundamentalists, you know, the, the mm -hmm. and, and it went on for 200 years. So it, it, this wasn't any light matter. I mean, this was a major confrontation mm -hmm. between two completely different worldviews. Mm. Now, um, so that's narcissism. Not no, Gnosticism, Gnosticism. Sorry, that's Gnosticism. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I've got you confused. very ismistic <laughs> words here. Exactly. Um, and they so, both start with an N sound, yeah. but one starts with a G-N and the other just an N. Yeah. So narcissism. Now, narcissism, yeah. people might be a little bit more familiar with because there's the, uh, the Greek myth of narcissus. Exactly. That's where the, the term comes from. And, and again, mm -hmm. to keep it really simple. Narcissism is basically an excessive interest in ourselves. Yeah. And self admiration, right? So, from a biblical perspective, probably the word that most describes narcissism is self centeredness. Yes. That's right? a good way to look at it. So, in, in Greek, so we all laugh, you know, we're, we all are at, you know, different events and we'll hear somebody mm -hmm. say, well, it's all about me. Ha 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 ha. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that wouldn't have been ever said 50 years ago, but it's even a joke right now. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it, it's kind of one of these things where it's become so, uh, uh, you know, it's become so, so socially acceptable that mm -hmm. we're living in an age right now where our first reaction to everything is how does it affect me? Yeah. That's our that's default true. setting, right? That, mm -hmm. That's how we filter everything. Yeah. So in Greek mythology, you have this guy named Narcissus. He was a hunter from uh, Thespiae in Bo Bo Bodia, whatever that is. It's a place, Greek place. Yes. And uh, he was he was known for his beauty. Um, and then there was I'm reading I'm kind of skimming through a part of your book that I printed out here talking about narcissists. Uh, he uh, encountered this nymph named Echo, and she fell in love with him because he was beautiful. And then he kind of didn't want to have anything to do with her. And um, so then there's an, another Greek person named Nemes uh, Nemesis, the goddess of vengeance, heard about uh, what happened in the whole situation. And so he, he uh, Nemesis got him to see himself in this the reflection in this, I think it was a river or something like that. So he saw the the reflection and he became enamored with himself because he was so beautiful and he couldn't uh, uh, move away from his reflection. He ended up wasting away. And it's a, it's a kind of a story about uh, falling in love with yourself and your own beauty and becoming self-centered. Right. So that's where Which the term narcissism my, comes in from. My, in my view, um, the church is there right now. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I know these are going to be some, some strong words, but just hear my heart here. Um, there's a significant amount of today's church leadership that's preening themselves in front of a mirror, you know, mm-hmm. to quote a, a line from, from Snow White, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? There's such mm-hmm. a desperate need right now for rec- recognition. I mean, the con, you know, the competition, the backstabbing, the lies, the exaggeration, the manipulation is so unparalleled right now. I mean, it's there's it, a collision going on even among Christian leaders. Um, you know, now that they don't even have churches, you know, that they can gather a bunch of people, there's this intense competition right now motivated by a fear that they're going to become irrelevant. They're terrified of it. Mm. So suddenly now you're seeing all this huge push, advertising, everything. Don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. Right. And, uh, and, and I'm sorry to say this, but the level of narcissism in the Christian community right now is nauseating to God. And you know, it really is, uh, people listening to that, you, you may not see it that way, but I, I want you to take a listen um, through through some of the things Bob is going to say. You may not agree with everything, but perhaps there's something in there that's the Lord, okay? Because th- th- I'm just going to, I know that some people just heard that and they're going, how can you say that against the church of Jesus Christ? And they're offended right now. So I, well, I, because I'm not talking about the church of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Talking I'm about talking leaders. you about people. Yeah, people and, and their worldviews. So it has nothing really to do with God's perspective or, you know, God's yeah. side of the equation. It's how we view ourselves in our relationship to God. And there's been a shift and we can mm-hmm. get into that in a little bit about what happened. But it's it's happened over the course of, of five decades. And yeah, there's been a worldview shift. Ni- yeah. Um, and I think one of the reasons that you see this more than others is because of your uh, background in Zimbabwe and, and in, in other cultures. People from other cultures see this. Uh, they can spot this yeah. more than people in the United States. And it's because there's a, a cultural perspective, there's a worldview perspective. Um, so yeah, so I, I listen, listen through what we have to say here, even if, it, uh, even if you're going, huh, how did he get that? Um, because I think, it's, I think there's some things that are, that are the Lord. Well, I think, wait till we get to the end and then you know, yeah. we'll give some perspective here. But, but truth be told, I mean, you know, narcissism is the new cultural norm. Yes, and that's and, we're talking about broader culture here. Yes, not just the church. Mm-hmm. We're talking about American culture. And I really, really become do, enculturated with narcissism. I really do believe that that has come into the church. The yes. the, the broader culture. I mean, you, in some ways, you can't help it because you're in the culture, so right. it's going to affect you to some degree. But let me let me read a quote here from from Barna. Um, uh, George Barna is a Christian. He's a statistician. He also dabbles in theology and, and occasionally has some interesting things to say. But he did a, a study on the state of discipleship in, uh, in the United States. Some, uh, there's a, a group, might have been the Nazarenes or some group, uh, helped him finance this study because they wanted to find out how, how are we making disciples, how are we doing. Um, but this is the quote, 84% of adults in the U.S., and 66% of practicing Christians agree that, quote, the highest goal for life is to enjoy it as much as possible. 
Now, um, a lot of people are going to hear that statement. They're going to go, go, what's wrong with that? And if you hear that statement and, and you can't figure out what's wrong with it, my thought is that perhaps you've been influenced by the broader culture in values. And because at the end, we're going to talk about uh, the, a biblical world, worldview, and I'm going to quote some scripture. And when I do, I want you to compare that to this, this narcissistic worldview. Well, let's just take an example. I mean, we could talk about thousands of them, but let's mm-hmm. just take one example. We love to take pictures of ourselves. Selfies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You see where I'm going with this? We love to take pictures of, of ourselves, uh-huh. which we call selfies. In other words, our focus is what? We focus on ourselves, right? So via technology, Facebook, Twitter, uh-huh. Instagram, LinkedIn, what? happened is we've developed our own social media worlds in which we exist mm-hmm. and we are the daily lead news story in our own <laughs> worlds right mm-hmm. so let's put some 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 perspective in this in 1968 long before there was any social media there was an artist by the name of Annie Warhol mm-hmm. Annie Warhol had a famous quote he said in the future everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes right <laughs> That's right. 15 minutes. Think Uh this through, right? He could have never imagined a world where we could be the center of attention 24 7, 365 Mm -hmm. days a year. I mean, you see how we've shifted? Mm -hmm. So let's put this also in some historical context because context matters. It gives Mm -hmm. us perspective, right? The world is changing quite rapidly. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a boomer, right? I'm a boomer. We did not grow up with cell phones. Yeah. In 2002, Nokia built the first phone with a built-in camera. That was only 18 years ago. That's amazing. The wow, iPhone, we, have we changed yeah. in 18 years? Yes. <laughs> and the iPhone came out in 2007. That's only 13 years ago, right? Yeah. So what's happened? As a result of all this, it's all about me has taken a quantum leap forward. These days... For many people, especially my uh, grandkids and the younger generations, our sense of self is determined by likes. <laughs> you know, I've right? ca- I, ca- I catch myself. Uh, how many likes did that get? How many exactly. views did that get on the things I produce? <laughs> now, now, here's how bad <laughs> Which is this not is. all bad, but I, I, it, 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 it backs your point. <laughs> well, and if you remember in my book, I talk about mm. this. This is how, how epidemic this is that the teenagers now, especially girls, are committing suicide mm. because of the fact that they didn't get enough likes. Yeah. In other words, there's a whole generation of children growing up right now that somebody clicking on their their photo, their, self- their self-esteem. Yeah. Exactly. You, you see how screwed up this is? I mean, we're in dangerous territory here. We've completely shifted our value systems, right? This, at the same time, what's happened is that um, there's a growing sense of entitlement, mm-hmm. right? You, you can see this creeping into so many things. And, and, I, and I hear people kind of moan and complain about it, but you owe me an I deserve worldview. Mm-hmm. It's expanded exponentially yeah. due to our narcissism, right? You, you owe me now. Mm-hmm. You know, don't you understand how important I am, mm-hmm. right? So now what's happened, the church has got a conundrum, right? Because people now view the church 
as a place to meet my expectations, Mm -hmm. right? What's been lost over the time is the essence of the New Testament and Jesus' teaching because Christianity at its essence was how to meet his expectations, his Mm -hmm. meaning God. That's the essence. That was the teachings of Jesus. It was Mm -hmm. all about our relationship to others. So what's happened is is churches have now been turned into these competing program-centric need centers, right? Mm -hmm. And our megachurches are sort of Walmart super centers for Christians. Mm. And it's all, and if, if these pastors don't meet my expectations, I'm going to go somewhere my else. Need, I'm yeah. going somewhere else. Yeah. And so what's happened is it's placed undue pressure on religious leaders. And mm-hmm. that's why there's such a huge burnout level. Yeah. And why so many of them are feeling lonely and whatever. So how do we get here? Yes. Good question. So it's like, what happened? Right. So le- again, let's, let me, um, wax eloquent here a little bit on the historical context here because history matters. Mm-hmm. So um, these shifts that happen, they don't happen instantaneously. They happen over generations. So so the from 1910 to 1924, that was what we call the greatest generation. And then mm-hmm. from 1925 to 1945 is what we call the silent generation. That was my parents' generation. Mm-hmm. Both groups were significantly impacted by the, tr- uh, the depression in World War II. That, yeah. that shaped their worldview, right? But they were emotionally damaged by what they experienced. So my boomer gemer- generation comes along, you know, in 1946, ending in, in 64. And we started asking one question, where's the love? Mm-hmm. That way, if you go back and study the 60s, it's all about where's the love, right? Because our parents were so damaged, they didn't really know how to connect with us, right? Mm -hmm. So there were various voices uh, at the time that tried to answer that question. Writer Jack Kerouac, there was Gloria Steinem and Martin Luther King and Timothy Leary and Bob Mm -hmm. Dylan and and the Beatles were all trying to ask this, answer that question, right? Where's Mm -hmm. the love? Well, there's one voice that very few people probably recognize unless you were at college and you read her books, but there was a woman by the name of Ayn Rand. And Ayn Rand was born in, in uh, 1905 and she died in 1982. But and she, she was in R- Russia. She, yeah, yeah, she, she fled the Bolshevik uh, revolution with, yeah. under Stalin. And she came here in 1926. And, and I'm going to go on record as saying, I believe that she was the false prophetess hmm. that led future generations astray. And, and, and she's maybe not, you know, a famous name like the Beatles mm-hmm. or Dylan or, you know, or Dr. King. But in terms of our worldview that shaped American culture, she was at the center of it. And yeah. during the 60s and 70s, she taught her philosophy at Yale and Princeton, and Columbia, and Harvard, and she impacted a whole generation of our leaders. She did. Yeah, she had two books. One was The Fountainhead, uh, and that, that was one of her most famous ones. Yeah, and, yeah. and she, her philosophy was called object, object, objectivism. objectivism. Right. So, so let, me, um, let me quote her in her own words, and, and let's tie that into the stat you just mm-hmm. um, read off about uh, from Barna, right? Mm-hmm. So here's Ayn Rand in her own words. 
that objectivism is the concept of man as being a heroic being with his own happiness as the moral purpose of his life with productive achievement as his noblest activity and reason as his only absolute. Yeah. I have a quote from the fountainhead that's just about like that. It's this, the first right on earth is the right of ego. Man's first duty is to himself. Right. That's a quote from the fountainhead. So, so, so mark this moment on our, on our chronology calendar here, um, 1960s, 1970s, Ayn Rand, her philosophy, objectivism is being injected into all of our universities, right? I mean, uh, I, 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 there's a lot of people out here that probably went to college because Atlas Shrugged was actually required reading at mm. a lot of universities. And, and what ended up happening, which is interesting, is her objectivist worldview actually became synonymous with the American dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was, it's interesting. She, uh, as a person promoted capitalism, which you would think she, uh, that's kind of interesting to me. So it's that, that made her very popular to the capitalist, but it's, but it's capitalism can be selfishness. Exactly. It was capitalism yeah. it's in with, that. with me, mm-hmm. self-centeredness, this. right. As the driving force, it was about me. And, and so what happened was, is that Ayn Rand actually institutionalized self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. She, she made it synonymous with what it means to be an American, right? So self-centeredness, which is the drive for status, right? And greed, the drive for stuff, became acceptable. Mm-hmm. And they were deemed noble American qualities. And over time, they got woven into the American DNA, right? Yes. And, 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 and we didn't even realize it because this happened over a couple generations, right? Well, then let's take it the next, to the next step. So what happens is, is Ayn Rand and her little group of disciples, uh, she had uh, a young guy by the name of Nathaniel Brandon, and he was 20 years younger than she was. And they had a toward affair um, during this time. Well, Brandon, who was born in 1930, died uh, around... 2014, I believe, is the father of what we call the self-esteem movement. And and this is going to, you know, some people now are going to start connecting the dots here. So Mm -hmm. you got objectivism and then objectivism carried to the next level, which is that Brandon believed and he wrote about this in his book in 1969 called The Psychology of Mm Self-Esteem. And this book had a huge impact on parents. Yes. Educators in the church world. It's Brandon still believed, really big in education. Right, right. Because Brandon believed we had a self-esteem deficit and needed more self-awareness, right? See where this is all going? Mm-hmm. It's, again, self, 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 right? Mm-hmm. He was so influential that two generations were raised thinking they were the center of the solar system. Yeah. Right. And, and you know what? If you read some of these, uh, like I did some research with Ann Rand, and I'm a little bit familiar with Nathaniel Braden because I'm in uh, educational circles and self-esteem issues and those, those things. A lot of this stuff will make sense. Right. And some of it, some of it is even good. Yes. There's some things you can pull out of there that are good. But what we're talking about is a worldview. We're talking about what is the center of your thinking, 
Does that make sense? Right. So, I, right. I mean, even the Bible says that you're supposed to uh, love your neighbor as yourself. So implied in that, that there is some self-respect, some self. Right. But, but we're talking about what's the center. From? Does that make right. sense? We're talking about what's the center of your universe. What's your worldview? So go ahead. Well, it's, it's yeah, exactly. What's the foundation on which your worldview mm-hmm. is based? Is it based on Ayn Rand's objectivism where it's all about me and I'm the God of my own universe? Mm-hmm. Or do we find our value and meaning and purpose in life because we're sons and daughters of God? Yeah, that that's we're, it. We're, we're members and, and citizens of the kingdom of God. What's happened is, is this worldview is so infiltrated the secular world, and then it's so infiltrated the church, mm-hmm. right? That what happens is our foundation is all off skew. Yeah. And so what there's a lot of, of, of self-centeredness that's entered back in the church under a, 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 a false pretense, mm-hmm. right? So, so what ended up happening was, is after Brandon launched his self-esteem movement, what happens is there's dozens and dozens of other movements. And fascinatingly, they mm-hmm. all start with the word self. Self. You see where I'm going mm-hmm. with this again? It, it, it just is happening over decades, but it becomes so normalized, right? Mm-hmm. So generations, uh, this, is, this is interesting. This is a sociologist in me coming out. But generations before 1970, right? Mm-hmm. Their sense of value was determined by their service to their communities. Yep. And Anne Rand would say that's evil. Right. If you well, read, if you read her stuff, I, saw, so, I watched some interviews with her and she felt like altruism and doing things that weren't for yourself were actually evil. Right. But we had, we had a whole generation of young men who signed up. Can you imagine this? Two million young mm-hmm. men sign up to go die or potentially lay their lives down mm-hmm. in a conflict to save their communities. Yeah. I mean, do you see how different that thinking different is from today? So their sense of value came in their sacrifice for others. Mm. Now you can't get anybody to sign up yeah. to lay your life down, right? So, so our value is, is, is found in serving ourselves, not serving others, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the great tragedy the, the the tragedy is the world the world worldview objectivism whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. has so significantly impacted the world of the church and it's supposed to be the other way around yes right jesus kingdom of god worldview has actually been reversed while the focus was on loving others we now focus on being loved by others so we would have rewritten that scripture you're to love your neighbor as yourself as you love yourself as your neighbor. <laughs> right. No, we've actually, I mean, this we, we, we is reverse if, that. You could, if you could stop and actually step back and not get insulted and get your uh-huh. feelings hurt and yeah. look at this, we have shifted poles. North mm-hmm. is now South and South is now North. We're in a, in a, in a you know, we have a, a worldview and a, and a mm-hmm. default setting and a normal that's actually reversed. The personal sacrifice uh, on behalf of others that Jesus taught in the Sermon of the Mount and the Sermon on the Mount actually confuses people now. Mm-hmm. Like most people can't even read it because it doesn't make sense. You cannot mm-hmm. understand the Sermon on the Mount in the current narcissism pandemic, right? Think about the parable mm-hmm. of the guests in Luke 14, right? Jesus told us to take the seat at the back. Yes, that's that's not objectivism. 
Right. It's deemed <laughs> foolish and yep. passive, right? Because mm -hmm. we're all taught we got to fight to be noticed, right? Mm -hmm. We got to push, 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 right? A, a, lot of our, a lot of our churches function that way. I've exactly. seen it. The, uh, people struggling for that position in leadership. They, they struggle to be noticed. Notice me so I can, I'm going to serve the, you, Mr. Pastor, and uh, notice me so I, can, uh, so I can function in this place. Well, you yeah. know, that the, the whole phrase, pick me, pick me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, this, think about this statement. There's no greater love than one, when one lays his life down for his friends. That's John 15, 13. This is the end of part one of What Ails the Church, the Narcissism Pandemic with Bob Scott and Alan Garrett. You've been listening to the Wake the Giant podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like and share on social media.